how it... The way we work here at NBC is a more professional manner than you're probably used to. Uh, now, see, I don't care about what you did down in Washington, because that's chicken shit radio. Here at NBC, this is real radio. And the first thing you've got to do is say the call letters properly. Okay? Now, I'm going to teach you how to sing. All right? And, you know, I hope you can get them. Because, see, you don't have a real good voice like IMS, uh, Captain Frank, and nothing. So we're going to have to practice it. Well, you be practicing here now? You're not going to get bashful on me now, are you, Alan? <laughs> okay, you ready? The way it's said properly is... W-N-B-C. This is key. Come on. W-N-B-C. No, no. You gotta be more like this. <clears throat> Listen up. W-N-B-C. You hear that kind of lift? N-B-C. W-N-B-C. 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 In my mind, I'm hearing, I'm, it sounds like I'm saying exactly no. what you're saying. No, actually. W-N-B-C. You know what? Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 120, Private Parts. This is a, a rare movie for me because it's one of the only movies that I've ever watched on Laserdisc. Wow. Yeah, that's right. I'd love to hear a story about that sometime. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, big movie for me as a, a young coming-of-age male because I think like someone, this is basically like the neighbor who lived across the street from me. His parents owned this and American Pie, and it's American so, Pie Laserdisc. I think so. Yeah. Wow. Or at least, or who they, even knew they were making Laserdiscs? Or late? or maybe they had the private parts uh, Laserdisc in the American Pie DVD. But either way, they had a lot of content for a 12, 13 yeah, year back old then, boy to, to enjoy. You were just you were taking it where you could get it. I really. mean, it was just like Shannon Elizabeth and just like whatever all these ridiculous nude chicks are in this movie. I can remember. I'm a little bit older, so I can remember like the VHS thing of like somebody having Porky's, somebody having Basic Instinct. Oh yeah, actually, you want to know what? Same neighbors owned Porky's too. Yeah. A, okay. Oh, a wild collection from these parents. <laughs> Porky's is is maybe even the craziest of the three oh, right. in a I lot know. of ways. That was kind of like my gateway to R-rated sexual content in pop culture and film. Yeah, I think today people would be less upset about the nudity and the sex, but more upset about the implication, the non-consensual nature of a lot of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is nuts. But, I mean, talk about just like straight late 90s, big-breasted blondes. You You're know? talking about private parts. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of the girls in this. Huge fake boobs. Yeah, porn stars. Right. What have you. 
for those not familiar, this is the kind of autobiographical film telling the story of Howard Stern and the Howard Stern radio show. A big part of my life, probably one of the more defining things as far as shaping my sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Certainly up there with the Mark, Tom, and Travis live album. <laughs> right, yeah. All these things <laughs> blending together around that time period. But yeah, I didn't... I think we were, you know, we were talking a little bit before we hit record about the show and it intertwining with our lives and how it didn't really, especially for you, but even for me, become a part of my life until after this movie had already come out or come and gone. Yeah, basically. I mean, I never really listened to the Howard Stern show regularly throughout my life. Now, I did often watch the E! TV show. Yeah. So that was like mostly my exposure to it. I e would watch that like late Saturday nights, you know? Yeah, the E era, I think, was after this. Yeah. Now, they would show stuff from the Private Parts time period and maybe even before if they had recorded it, but I don't think it aired until probably. Right. Yeah. So th after. that was like. I don't know. My biggest connection to it, like years later when all this stuff is available on, on YouTube, I've certainly like done some deep dives, done a lot of listening, but like as far as actually experiencing Howard Stern on the radio, that's almost none for me. Yeah, I listened regularly on terrestrial radio from the late 90s up until he left in 05, and then eventually would get a serious account and would listen from right. different times and also the Howard on Demand channel which was unbelievable. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was an unbelievable thing to have. It's pretty for nuts. A while. Kind of nuts content that they had on that. Yeah. I yeah, for me, I think everybody especially like long-time listeners have different golden eras like their different favorite time periods depending on when they started and blah 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 but for me those like last couple of years on terrestrial leading into the first few on satellite are my is my favorite time period up until like already left the well show. yeah that's that's a lot of the a lot of the listening back that i do in a lot of the youtube videos that i watch is a lot of like the the heart of the already era yeah but I, I would also just say, I mean, it's just like when I would watch it on E, it, you know, obviously it's on cable or whatever. And But I mean, it's just like every week chicks like getting nude in some oh, <laughs> variation, yeah. you know, I was just like, this is great. This is just pure <laughs> entertainment. But I mean, but really. It's though, all we had, people. I mean, I know, now it's, it's you have porn on your phone. You can get, right. you can I get mean, porn I, at any second of the day. I was day. having to like stay up late, you know, like by myself <laughs> Saturday night. I mean. You know, and I'd just be like, this is the highlight of the week for me. Yeah, I mean, for it was basically this, some of this late night stuff on E besides it, like the stuff of like Brooke Burke or oh, whatever. Right. Yeah. And then I found like some scrambled channels. Like I was basically Jason Biggs in American oh, Pie. Yeah. I, I found some scrambled porn and sometimes you would see like a boob or a butt or whatever. And, and you would hear like people gold. having sex. Yeah. Yeah, and it was great. Um, but I will say it's just like when I think about the Stern show and what I really enjoy about it is none of that now. Like, you know, like the, the strippers and, you know, all the sexual stuff. What what I love about the Stern show and like go back and still listen to is all like the drama and the gossip with the people on the show, like the fighting. Yeah. Like that's the stuff that that's like the gold for me now. And it's funny, like because sometimes I'll listen to it and I will when I've gone long spaces without watching the movie private parts that it like gets me inspired to watch the movie but then i watch the movie and really none of that is really like a part of the movie yeah i mean the the whole concept of like the the staff of the show becoming characters and stuff was something that 
took a while to develop, I think. Right. You know, you can't just but start a radio show oh, and right. then instantly everyone is a character. It's like that's not you have to that has to come naturally but over time. During that and I obviously like I never listened all the time, but during a lot of that like Artie era, I do feel like so many of the episodes were just about them like going to events and like talking about stuff and yeah. like burying each other. Like <laughs> that's that yeah, that's that's where I, what I love. Yeah, that definitely is the golden era for me. I can't really talk about the show as it is now because I haven't listened regularly in years, oh, right. really. It's just like Ellen DeGeneres on the show. <laughs> I love when you dance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I for me, and I've talked about this, I think, with you before, the genius of the show back then in like the late 90s and into the 2000s was how they would take the c or d list celebrity right and elevate that content to be as good or way better than having a list celebrities oh yeah because now it's like yeah he gets big celebrities on and they talk for two hours and he's a pretty good interviewer and they get pretty in depth and yeah a lot of times they will say things they don't say on other shows well that's fine but (laughs) going back and watching like pamela anderson do a lie detector test Uh, is hilarious (laughs) it's a thousand times better than any late night well that's good and and like just like the fact that he was like willing to like cross lines with celebrities before oh yeah it doesn't feel like that's as much on the table anymore but like no you know obviously you 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 turned me onto this but what level of celebrity you consider consider her is you know questionable but like tiffany amber thiessen when he's (laughs) like (laughs) having people call in about like he's not having them do it but yeah well whatever (laughs) i mean asking about her feet or whatever yeah these calls are screened and he's like (laughs) seeing them like what it's gonna be you know it's intentional (laughs) okay so before we jump into the actual film private parts, uh, let's remind our listeners that they can follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. They can subscribe to our show on iTunes. Yeah, please don't unsubscribe just because there's been a bad episode. <laughs> I still think I still I, I still feel like you know we took that that break which was needed, but you know you gotta like you gotta get the mojo back a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. Because there's been times I'm like, do I even want to do this anymore? Oh, it man. felt so. <laughs> Well, it did That's feel so lesson. nice yeah. not having to do all this work. Well, yeah, I mean, the it amount is, of time it, it took me to cut together know, that it, ten things I hate about you up. Holy shit! It can be a drag. I mean, obviously, <laughs> but you, I'm, it I'm, took its toll on me. Yeah, I'm building myself back up. Right. I'm. I gotta get. Well, back we into got. That I mean, mindset. here's the thing, and I know like this doesn't change as much for you like throughout the course of the year, but you know we're heading into like the heart of just like never leave the house for like three months so it's just like <laughs> yeah you're right that doesn't change for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> not anymore right okay so we are constantly aware of our own schedule like what we're putting out there we know that we haven't done a give us constantly a second constantly aware forever. of the length of the episodes well i was thinking like we need to do another two hour plus episode like gone girl we gotta <laughs> we gotta treat people to that again. yeah i didn't really hear a lot about that you know not a lot of people <laughs> with a lot to say about that too bad right <laughs> But, yes, we we know that we haven't done a Give Us a Second in a while. I would say we probably won't do one until early next year after New Year's. And I think it's been common now for a while that we haven't been doing as many TV-related episodes. I think what oh, we, did, we yeah. did one in Greatest October with Are You Afraid of the Dark? But you We're going to get that going again, though. We will do more. But this, I I think it's safe to say that this has become primarily 
a movie podcast with a little bit of TV and other pop culture sprinkled in. <laughs> yeah, it's like, is music ever going to be in the mix again? Well, I know we've thrown we it out there. We have a big there, meeting okay, coming yeah. up later tonight right. off mic, so there <laughs> could be some exciting heads, stuff yeah. coming. <laughs> Tim Sabian going to talk to us. <laughs> okay, so Private Parts, 1997, directed by Betty Thomas, who had done... Female director, again, from this show, might yeah. I point out. She had done the Brady Bunch movie prior to this, and she had just come off The Late Shift, which was the TV movie about Letterman and Leno, and she worked with producer Ivan Reitman, okay. who produced this movie, and so he had her in mind. We're going to circle back to that in a second. She would go on to direct like Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy and 28 Days with Sandra Bullock and okay. I Spy with it's Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson and John Tucker Must Die. I don't know. She wow. did She's All still over the map, kind yeah. of active. I mean, she's been doing TV and stuff. Yeah, I think Ivan Reitman was a pretty big deal in the, I don't know, 80s, like 80s I yeah. guess, and into the 90s. And I think he had kind of started to direct less and gotten into producing. He did, like, what, the first Ghostbusters right. and Stripes yeah. and some of that stuff and whatever. And he teamed up with Howard to do this movie um I think like through Riser Entertainment or something like that but that's one thing too when you go back to like the 90s and you see these like production logos like pop up at the beginning and you're just like what the fuck is it like you know something <laughs> you just haven't seen in like years yeah there's they they cycle through but um yeah it was his idea to go to Betty Thomas and I was I didn't really necessarily read this anywhere but I would kind of assume that maybe he thought that going with a woman director would help soften the, oh, okay, yeah. the potential backlash against the movie. <laughs> yeah, the sexual content. <laughs> um, well, just to kind of like give it a different perspective. I think the trick with Howard always is that he had built up such a reputation that, and it, and it kind of is the story of the movie in a right. way with the well, woman the on the big, plane yeah, and Gloria. The but like end to the movie. The whole thing is like people kind of hear about him without actually hearing his show and decide for themselves that he's a misogynist pig and he's horrible and blah 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 and and then when you actually listen to the show and get to know him much like betty thomas did to accept this right. job she was initially was not skeptical into it and mary mccormick who plays allison his wife was also not well, really whole, into it at first that whole thing i mean I just feel like the way things could get spun in the media and, and maybe it's still this way now. I, it's hard to know like what your perspective was because like obviously I was like a kid growing up, but like Beavis and Butthead, Marilyn Manson, you know, all this shit. <laughs> like when I hadn't when I hadn't experienced it at all, I was like afraid of it. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was like just the way that you would hear about it and then you'd like watch it or hear like the music or something and you're like, this is not really that bad. Yeah, definitely stuff was built up way more through the media than what it was in actuality and Howard is no different and it, it is interesting that that's kind of the story of the movie yeah. is hey not only is there a character Gloria on the plane that has this negative feeling about him and then learns throughout the course what he's really like although but, she's kind of like played off as like a bimbo at the end like <laughs> I don't know about that but that's also kind of what they're expecting of some of the viewers going into the movie because they knew oh, that right. they had Stern's fans in their pocket, but they wanted to branch out beyond that to be a big successful film. And oh, so yeah. they needed to approach it as kind of an argument of, hey, give this guy a chance. He's not exactly what you think. 
maybe you don't know the whole story, that kind of thing. A couple of things from me seeing this movie, you know, as a, as a youngin. A, I definitely thought Howard Stern directed the movie, too. Like, for years, I just thought that he did. And B, I knew Howard and Robin and Fred, and to a lesser just extent, Gary, all play themselves in the movie. I thought that Mary McCormick, I thought that that was the real Allison. <laughs> like, for, for years, I think, when I was young. So, Which yeah. Which I was just like, good lord. No, I mean, yeah, why would you turn away if this was your wife? I thought <laughs> that she was, like, smoking hot in this movie. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Alison Stern was a looker in her day. All I right. don't really remember. There you go. But, um, yeah, Mary McCormick is a dream in this movie. There's no doubt about it. At various points, you're just like, I want this to be my wife. Oh, <laughs> Immediately. <certainly. Yeah. laughs> Please. I mean, she is very forgiving throughout the movie, too. Yeah, and she's just great. I, yeah. I'm, it's kind of a shame. I mean, she's had a, a very strong, successful career. If you're able to be a working actor for you know, 20, 25 years, then you've been yeah, a way success. To go. But I, I just always kind of hoped that there'd be more from her. I think she had a successful show for a, for a while on USA or something like that. But Okay, I, don't, I know. don't know. I don't know what she does, yeah. I mean, I don't know what other movies she's in, really. She's done a lot of stuff, and she's still in stuff now. But, yeah, yeah I just, I don't know. I feel like she deserved maybe a bigger career. She seems super recognizable to Why me. Why don't we write a script for Mary McCormick Here we and go. Julia Stiles <laughs> and Larissa Olenek? <laughs> and Lisa P. Gerber. <laughs> well, we already have one for her. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think there's right. some notes for it in here. <laughs> If you look closely. Spread across like various notebooks. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think some of it might have world. gotten lost in the move. Right. <laughs> well, we we never got to that rewrite phase for the Lisa P. Gerber vehicle. There's still time. <laughs> I like how some people listen to this will be like, what the, who the fuck is Lisa P. Gerber? Yeah, I know. You'd have to go back to talking about? our sixth episode to know <laughs> yeah, what we're Go back to the Wonder Years right. episode. Yeah. Anyway, Private Parts is basically adapted from the autobiographical chapters of Stern's 93 book of the same name. Originally, he was going to be in a Fartman film being put together with a budget. It was it was kind of greenlit. It was this whole thing. Yeah, that seems like it would have been terrible. Yeah, probably. And Like MTV films? Maybe? No, I don't think so. Mm, okay. But yeah, that eventually fell through. The studio wanted to make it like PG-13, and there was all kinds of weird issues with it so stern signs on with like riser entertainment partners up with ivan reitman they start coming up with this idea to do an autobiographical film stern ends up rejecting 22 different scripts from all these different writers it's wow. taking forever to move forward eventually they get a script and they start filming the movie and howard robin fred Gary, Jackie, they're all playing themselves, and yet they continued to do the radio show right. every morning Which during is, filming of the movie. I mean, particularly for Howard, that it does seem like pretty wild. And I think there was an adjustment period. I don't think he took learning his lines seriously. And Ivan Reitman had to like take him aside and be like, you have to learn these lines. Right. Because I think Howard didn't fully understand how movies were made and thought that he could improvise more like he does on his show. Yeah. And they're like, no, no you, you can't do it like that because... You have to, Actors, pe yeah, you have you have to, to play piece together people. different things. Right. You can't just... The lines that you say are supposed to matter for other pieces of the plot. Yeah, and I think even when they were editing the movie, they were running into problems because he was using different words at different times. And, you know, it was kind of a thing. You know, it was definitely a learning process, but everyone seems to agree that as the filming went on, he got better and better at it. And I do think, like, yeah, I mean, is he 
Marlon Brando in this movie? No, but for somebody who's definitely not an actor, I think it's pretty believable. And by the middle well, of the movie, say, you're not even really thinking about it. They always say like playing yourself is hard, actually, which I think he does that well in this movie. Yeah, there's there are some scenes that are a little awkward, but yeah, I mean, overall, he does a, a really great job. And it's always kind of been a thing as to whether or not he was ever going to get back into movie making and do another movie as like an actor i think he's been offered stuff before and never really wanted to do it well now i mean it doesn't seem like he's interested in doing much outside of his show which that he's only half interested in (laughs) well yeah i mean he's pretty old he's like the same age as my parents pretty much so the film opens up with the mtv video music awards where this is real and he really did this he comes down as fart man in real life, this happened in 92. They kind of leave it a little vague as to when this is all taking place. He has a couple of kids. Was he on NBC at this point? I don't know. I don't know what year he went from NBC to K-Rock or, okay. or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I probably could have looked that up, but that's no, what's confusing. We don't sweat the details. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's confusing, though, about the end of the movie. <laughs> Right. We both kind of had the same reaction to it, which is we can't believe that it's the end of the movie oh, yeah. every time we watch it. <laughs> I watch this several times for this podcast, and every time I'm surprised that it's the end right. already. It's it like, kind oh, of okay. The most abrupt <laughs> ending ever. Yeah, because yeah, the movie ends in 85, yet he's on a plane clearly in the mid-90s yeah, or yeah. early 90s, right. and you're like, well, what happened in the other years? Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> ends. But anyway, so it opens with the MTV Video Music Awards, It's the next day, and the story itself of the film is framed around Howard telling his life story to a woman named Gloria, played by Carol Alt, kind of a famous model from like the 80s and 90s. Um, She's sitting next to him on a plane ride home in first class. At first, she's like disgusted to have to sit next to (laughs) Howard Stern. It is funny when she takes her newspaper and opens it and he's on the cover as fart man and that look on her face (laughs) where she's like a little scared a little horrified a little disgusted (laughs) but the whole thing it turns out it's kind of weird because you don't actually see him start talking to her it just jumps into this flashback of him as a kid yeah it's i guess it's this is kind of like the forrest gump thing where he's just sitting there narrating a story for forever if you're a regular listener to howard or or you've ever really listened for any amount of time you're kind of familiar with a lot of these anecdotes about his childhood and teenage years and all that stuff. Everything in this movie is stuff that I've heard him talk about on the air countless times. You have his relationship with his father, who was an engineer in radio, which is where his love of radio originated from, but his father was kind of just a, a hard man to get like an emotional connection with, I guess. And there was a lot of yelling <laughs> and calling him <laughs> stupid and shut up and whatnot. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was... It was the, a different time. The awkward, like, prepubescent years with the puppets, which he's talked about. Yeah. I and, mean, he seems like he would have been, like, a goofy kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. But, yeah, you can uh, you can start to see, like, the early preoccupation with sex and sexual things through the puppets. <laughs> right, and, yes. And of course, the that's almost like serial killer esque. It feels like <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah. I think if you were playing with like marionette puppets now, right, <laughs> you'd raise some eyebrows. <laughs> One of the more famous aspects of Howard's childhood is the racial integration of his neighborhood on Long Island, uh, Roosevelt, New York, 
And, you know, he's talked a lot about being, like, the only white guy in his high school <laughs> and all of that stuff. And they kind of give you this all in, like, quick flashes through time. And oh, right. His parents were very progressive and refused to move when, you know, a lot of the other white people in the area fled. <laughs> and <clears throat> yeah, as a kid, that was a lot for him to deal with. I mean, it's very easy. It does, I'm sure, gives one an interesting perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's very easy to take like a very liberal progressive approach now in 2018 and kind of have a, oh, a different right. mindset. But like actually living it in that yeah. moment, I think Howard was like bullied a lot and had a hard time. I'm sure yeah. being that guy. But it kind of gave him really have like a strong presence anyway. I mean, he seemed like he could have been easily approached and made fun of in any oh, yeah. atmosphere. And but I, I definitely think so. It, then when you stick out like a sore thumb, it's like yeah. And I think having those experiences though, kind of molded him into the guy that he would become like able oh, right. to deal with a He's, lot of like in your face criticism yeah, and, and can be like self-deprecating and make fun of himself not yeah. unlike the people on this show <laughs> yeah <laughs> from there you know he wants to pursue radio his parents aren't super supportive but they're like hey you know uh, boston university has a radio program he goes there he gets some early on-air dj jobs which the scene of him spilling those eight tracks onto the record when it's playing over the air and his reaction to it oh, yeah. is pretty hilarious <laughs> uh, my name is howard stern on the howard stern experience and if you love music you'll love deep purple on tbu How do you feel about 43-ish year old Howard Stern playing a, a college student here? Well, it's kind of nuts. I mean, they, they do. At least he addresses it in the narration. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting to see what he really looked like, but rocking like the ridiculous mustache pretty early on. I think the one thing that they did in this movie is they had him get rid of that look way earlier than he did in real life. Oh, right. Because I was reading online that he still had that mustache, short hair look the first time he went on Letterman, which is oh, way wow. later yeah. in the movie. Okay. All right. Because they had to recreate that Letterman appearance. Oh, yeah. And so that's not the actual footage of his first appearance on Letterman that oh, they okay. show in the movie. Gotcha. And I was reading that he actually still had the short hair and the, the mustache. His so first he was time rocking that there. look for a while. Yeah, he does look crazy. I mean, I do think they do do a good job with the, the main people and like... I mean, do they look young? No, but like, I mean, Fred definitely looks different throughout the movie. Robin looks different, like throughout the movie. Like you can see, like a progression there in the look. Yeah, I think it's fine, especially since they address it, and especially right. since the draw of the movie is that Howard Stern is in the movie, and it's a movie about him. I think you're okay with him jumping in as soon as possible yeah. as the character. Oh, agreed. obviously he's not going to play a little kid unless you want to make like a really surreal, weird movie, but. <laughs> As soon as you get close, like you can Spike kind of Jones put him in there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like that part from Eternal Sunshine with right. Jim Carrey. In college, he meets Allison, who would go on to be his wife. That scene's pretty interesting. Him and his like, buddies are like, like running in the rain. He was like trying to direct movies or something, right? Yeah. Well, he meets her by just kind of chance 
by knocking on a, a friend's door during a rainstorm, and then she's there, and he begs her to be in his student film. Okay, yeah. And that film that they make is not unlike a lot of the Blu-rays I own. <laughs> Just like people dressed in white, like oh, a, yeah. uh, a Jesus like is a vampire or something. Anthology movie. <laughs> people getting stabbed, right. chanting. Yeah. <laughs> but she seems into it. So there you go, I mean. That's all it takes. <laughs> it seems crazy that a guy rocking that look being that much of a weirdo. I guess like in college, in Boston in particular, just a <laughs> lot of weirdos, you know? Yeah, and this would have to be, what, like the early 70s? Or? Yeah, that's true. I mean, there was a lot of weirdness going on at that time, <laughs> you know? So after college, Howard gets his first gig as a DJ for money. It WRNW in Briarcliff Manor, New York, or Westchester, whichever. Some of the station like call tags or whatever they call them throughout the the movie are kind of a fun part of it. <laughs> the one that's like WWWW. Yeah, yeah, that's the Detroit one, and we're gonna get there. But yeah, yeah um, did you want to talk about the little interlude things with Baba Booey and the girls and whatnot? I or? mean, I'm not. I don't need them. You know, like. <laughs> I, I can say that Baba Booey, uh, Gary Delabate or whatever, he, he just always has bothered me. I, I have always found him to be just, like, off-putting. You know what I mean? And especially in, like, the, the, the times when he gets, like, obviously he's taken more shit than anyone on that show over the course of the years. But he's also, at times, like, the most cocky person on Howard's staff. Like, yeah. with the other staff members, people coming in as guests. Yeah, I get what you mean. I don't know. The I, first one was with uh, that girl in the bikini, Camille, who... Well, didn't Allison Janney actually do a, an early one in the movie? Yeah, she actually is bef- before even the Fartman appearance. They right. are talking to him. Yeah. They, they they intercut people talking to the camera, like Mary well, McCormick. Sometimes it goes as, so long with them doing like that little... I guess if you count these ones and the Baba Booey things together, it happens like regularly. But right. if you count them as two different things, it's like... Well, they have Howard narrating, but then they'll have different characters talking to the camera, kind of almost like real world style. The Mary McCormick part of it feels redundant, though. Like, you don't need her telling this, like, you get it from the movie. Because she's basically saying, like, sometimes I wish, you know, things were private between Howard and I more often, which is, like, one of the main points of the movie. Yeah, I agree with you for the most part. I think they just wanted to. I think they were going for a mock documentary style okay. intentionally. Yeah. I All think right. that was one of the early pitches from Ivan Reitman was that they wanted to em- emulate a documentary. And so I can see that that's probably why they right. included and that they stuff. Definitely play like, they definitely play up the Baba Booey ones as if these are like real right, and yeah. not staged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, which makes them even creepier because you're like, if this was real, this would almost be like arrestable. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> they're trying to like get these women to take their tops off. One, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first one is the stunning blonde Camille who would go on to marry Kelsey Grammer at some point, okay, I believe. Yeah. yeah, which is very strange, but he's trying to get her to take her top off. It's like freezing cold. She's in a bikini. There's like snow everywhere. All right. <laughs> There's, there's no, yeah, there is strange. a lot of uh, uncomfortable stuff now. Yeah, I definitely think that is one of the big things with Howard and with the Howard Stern Show is that a lot of the stuff that went on on the show in today's climate would be insane. Oh, yeah. I mean, just Because it is a lot insane. of, like, 
I don't want to say bargaining, but like <laughs> <laughs> there's bargaining. Yeah, there's all it, kinds it of different things. It is a lot things. of like sort of browbeating even yeah, using times. using the influence. Like that's the thing that makes it even creepier from Gary for me. It's just like him using like. Oh, it would make Howard happy if you did this. It just—it feels so like uncomfortable for me. Yeah, there's no way around it. I mean, there's really no way to make it seem better in today's light, other than to say, like, I don't know. People didn't really think nudity, especially on the radio, was a big deal. Right. Like, I don't yeah. know. There, it just wasn't. People knew what went on on the show, and it was kind of just the way it was. Yeah. And, I mean, sometimes it's hard to remember what life was like before that Janet Jackson incident at the super bowl but it was just a <laughs> well yeah time. that was that it's funny that moment does get specifically referenced on howard stern's wikipedia page it's like a huge turning point oh boy because it was it, it basically ruined his show but <laughs> but that's not what turned our society into the way it is now <laughs> right we're in like a whole other world now anyway back to wrnw in westchester he eventually is given a job as a program director which he doesn't really want but it's more money, and so even it's though he's like off trying to the survive air, at this point, yeah, it takes him off the air as a DJ, but he uh, gives him enough money to marry Allison because you know people obviously in that, especially in like the seventies, were in a far bigger rush to get married. I, I'm not really sure how old Howard was when they when he got married the first time, but it seems like they were right out of college. Yeah, the ages are unclear a lot during this movie, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He eventually quits after being asked to fire another DJ because it's not really something he wants to do, and he understands that he needs to get back on the air. He needs to get that those reps in because when he first starts out as like a regular DJ, he's terrible. Oh yeah, I mean, he's fucking horrible. He's just doing like dumb jokes, trying to incorporate sound effects and like playing he, records. He does like a high pitched voice, right? As his regular voice, like he's like up a couple registers whenever he's talking it's very strange yeah. he's doing a radio well, that, voice. And that's one of the things that kind of plays i don't know a little bit cheesy in this movie and like is the whole story of like him finding his voice and like the fact that he discovers that oh i just need to be like intimate with the listeners and like open up about my personal life like that's where my gold is but i don't know the way he comes to that conclusion in this movie is a little bit like they hit you in the face with it a little bit well you know, they got to give a Cliff's Notes That's version right. for people who... I think the the goal is that they were targeting non-fans who didn't know right. anything about Howard to begin with. So, in order to get back onto the air as an actual DJ, he leaves and goes to WCCC in Hartford. And this is kind of a big stop on the way because two main things happen. First, he befriends fellow DJ Fred Norris. Hi, Howard Stern. How you doing here, Fred? Hi, how late I am. Who would have thought? On the Berlin Turnpike, and I take a left-hand turn, and I like, rehearsed this 500 times getting here, and I somehow got lost. Oh. I'm sweating. I'm so hot. It's such a hit. It's hot. It's to be on time. Oh, man. Oh. 107 FM, AM 1290, WCCC. Good morning. My name is Howard Stern. I'm the new morning man on CCC. Sitting with me, uh, Mr. Ringo, Mr. Ringo Starr. And uh, he's here in the studio. Hi, Ringo. How you doing, me love? I wish you'd play us a little wipeout this morning. Wake everybody up. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that was great, Ringo. CCC AM 1290 FM 107. This is Cheap Trick. Oh, thank you. Whoa. Hartford ended up being okay, you know? I mean, Fred seemed to really like me. I mean, I, I think he really liked me. The guy's like wallpaper. Who can get a read on? Just an odd dude. Yeah. And would go on to become, like, a staple as part of right. Howard's show yeah. basically forever. But you're like, even watching this movie, it, like, the way that they make Fred younger, you're <laughs> like, how fucking old is this guy? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's probably, like, around the same age as Howard, but it's it's kind of unclear. He seems like he was 45 when he was 20, though. Yeah. <laughs> he just has, like, an old look to him. So now that he's gotten the opportunity to get back on the air... Howard starts developing his own style. He's open and upfront. He's taking a more casual attitude, and he's taking a lot of assistance from Fred. They're kind of forming a union here, and this all kind of builds. Fred's toward... kind of a jack of all trades, you know. Does the sound effects, voices. Yeah, he's kind of, you know, in a way, it's like Fred is kind of helping Howard towards his vision of what yeah. he wants the show to be. But the funny thing about Fred is he really has no personality as like a standalone character of fred <laughs> you know what i mean no. like, like he doesn't really <laughs> contribute anything from the voice of fred yeah not usually that's ne- that's not really a part of his we- repertoire <laughs> yeah. he needs to be contributing more in a comedic sense hiding behind a, a few layers but everything kind of builds towards a big moment with an actress that comes on the show that Howard interviews named Brittany Fairchild, who invites Howard to her movie premiere, which I don't understand anything about this This scene. This is the part that I really want to talk to you about, like on the show, because like, I I have like a couple questions. Brittany Fairchild, real person? No. Okay. So this is a fictitious account. That's what I thought. But who is the real person? It's an amalgamation of a couple of people. Okay. The most noteworthy would be Jessica Hahn for the tub part. Now, Jessica Hahn is, uh, she was involved in, like, the Jim Baker sex scandal, who was, like, that televangelist. She was, like, a secretary. She said that he raped her. She became a model and actress throughout, like, the 80s and 90s. Okay, I know nothing The tub story, (laughs) she and then she became, like, a frequent guest and caller of Howard up until even into the 2000s. Gotcha. But, so she was kind of, like, a whack packer. She was definitely a hot chick at one point. I mean, I... I don't know what she looks like now. I don't know what she looked like 18 years ago. I don't know what she looked like 30 years ago, but off the top of my head. But I know that she was in Playboy several times in the 80s. And there was a tub incident involving Jackie, though. So it happened much later. Oh, okay. In real life. Like, like, (laughs) this whole story is like an amalgamation of a couple of different events, I think. Gotcha. And I don't know who besides... Jessica Hahn, the other people are supposed to be. I mean, in the context of the movie, it is really funny that both him and Fred get in the tub with her. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens is, but the thing that I don't understand is, I guess for the sake of, like, they already have different events happening in different cities, and they want to make this whole sequence of Allison leaving Howard happen earlier. Okay. So they make this happen in Hartford, which I'm like, what the fuck movie premiere that, is I in know, Hartford? That, that's when you're trying to piece this together and think that this is based on a real event. It's really hard to wrap your head around the fact that a B movie is having like a premiere in Hartford. The only time way I could see that happening is if it was like filmed in Hartford or something. But yeah, it's it's a crazy. E, well, even still, isn't there like a brief? There, I mean, they, they, it's it's at a small theater, but there's like a media presence there. Yeah, which it just feels so not real. Yeah, I think 
It's only not real when you think about it. Okay. I think if you just like let it wash over you, because you kind of just Maybe associate Howard more. as like as Howard Stern, so you kind of just forget that this is like so early on. Okay. This is yeah. not New York City. This is Hartford. I don't know what events they were taking to piece this all together, but needless to say, it's not taken directly from one thing that happened when right. he was actually in Hartford. Okay. The idea, though, is that... Okay, well, let's run through it real quick. So they go to this movie premiere with Brittany Fairchild. She wants to leave early. She invites Howard and Fred. Her own movie. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, how terrible would that movie be? <laughs> so she invites them back to her hotel Which, room. by the way, I can remember like watching this and thinking like, the Britney Fairchild in the movie that they're watching I was like smoking hot. <laughs> like it's, I, it's the same person. I know. I know. But I, she has a little bit of a different look, though. She's got like blonder <laughs> hair. She invites them back to her hotel room. The th- she eventually starts taking off her clothes and she gets into a bathtub. I, and going back through all for all the nudity for this movie, this was actually like the scene for me, though. I thought that she was like unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not you were sure. probably into the first naked lady on the radio scene. I, I could see that one being uh, Jenna Jameson. Yeah, um, I feel like she had that the look for you at the time. At the time, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we'll get to Jenna Jameson later. Right. All right, so the three of them get into this tub. Well, she's <laughs> in it first. Like... She wants to get a massage. She's definitely trying to seduce Howard. Oh, Howard yeah. doesn't know what to do. He's like, you know, putting up the brakes a little bit, but it's just like, how do you stop it? And I, w- I do think that it's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is when she's like just get it in your underwear if you're wearing your underwear you can't cheat and like his voiceover is just like i don't know what it was but she started making a lot of sense (laughs) so he gets into the tub fred is in the tub he's like washing her back or whatever at one point she's like getting out of the water she's like covered in like soap she's like washing the suds or like you know removing the suds to give him a look at what's going on yeah her ass is just like in fred's face but like he freaks out because he's married to allison he doesn't want to cheat so he gets out of the tub and he leaves i do think it's funny that fred is just there still with her and you don't really get the full story (laughs) because fred did not get married a look like you know yeah, I think the you implication up? in the movie right. is that they hooked up at that point. Because Fred didn't get married till way later in life. Oh, yeah. He's driving home. He freaks out. He hides his wet underwear in the car. And eventually Allison finds them. She believes him to have been unfaithful, and she leaves him. <laughs> well, yeah, what are you going to think? Yeah, so she can't trust him. She decides that they're basically getting separated. And that's when Howard gets an offer to go to Detroit, which is a much bigger market than Hartford, WWW. <laughs> Fred leaves the narrative for a little while. Allison is doesn't go with him to Detroit at first. Howard's miserable in Detroit. And this really is kind of the... And he talks about this later, eventually, with Allison when they leave Detroit. But this is that kind of lifestyle that DJs live if they can't get like a, a long-term solid... Right, gig. like and if it, you don't become Don Imus, this is like the other. You don't option. have to get as big as like an Imus or a, or a Howard, but even just people that like you doing hear a local morning show. Yeah, sometimes it's like you might go to a bunch of different markets throughout your life. Yeah, you know, you got to travel around to where the work is. It's not always a guarantee that you're gonna get a different job in the same city on a different channel. It's like you might have to go to a completely different city. It happens all the time. I and, mean, radio does still very much exist, but like. The smaller radio stations, I think, like, kind of going away. This Detroit is where he goes in and, like, meets the other guy that's, like, doing the show. 
before him, right? It was like, the Duke of Rock. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like the the ideas of like these like characters with just like these on air yeah. personas and stuff. Like I've been like driving through the country at like various parts of my life where like I would listen to some weird ass like local radio shows. Like there was a time where I was driving and someone was like, I don't know, they played music like the Misfits and stuff, and like they had right. like this whole like. 80s like weird zombie movie persona like it's just like the idea of someone like that existing now is very much like a thing of the past oh yeah radio now is much more homogenized and bigger companies own multiple channels right throughout like different clear uh, channel places yeah, and, yeah it's all very much the same you know if you go from one city to another it's like the names are slightly different but they're kind of the same right, right. networks or whatever anyway so in Detroit, he encounters the Duke of Rock. That's awkward. He's like calling him Big Bird. That was based off of actually Steve Perry from Journey making fun of Howard early oh, wow. in his career and calling him <laughs> Big Bird. Not actually the Duke of Rock, who I think might be a, a real guy. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. So yeah. in Detroit, but though, you can definitely get like a good glimpse as to like why Howard had like this chip on his shoulder for years and felt like he needed to take out like every single fucking radio personality yeah he held on to a lot of this stuff yeah between that kind of shit and then also like the constant fighting with upper management at different yeah. stations and then the fcc and all that stuff but in detroit he kind of because of this because of his misery in his personal life with allison and then also kind of being shit on by the people in detroit a little bit especially at the network he further develops his on-air persona like the first time he gets on the air he does that Highly questionable Mama Luca Boo Boo Day. Yeah, that kill is the weird. white man <laughs> routine from like uh supposed to be like an African American traffic well, person in a Detroit helicopter. Detroit definitely seems like they've had their share of like racial tensions over the years, you know. And we have a new feature for you. This is uh, something special. We have a traffic copter now here at www. Let's go up to Mama Luca Boo Boo Day in the traffic copter. Mama, you there? Hello, Mama. Up. Hello. to make your acquaintance this morning, Mama. Tell me, uh, what's going on in the traffic? First, a political statement, if I may. Kill, kill, kill the white man by Eugene Mama Lokobobode. Eugene is my pen name because I wrote this while I was in the pen. Okay, here we go. Obviously, a lot of the stuff that Howard was doing even way back at the beginning was pushing the envelope. And we've. For something like this little bit, though, it's hard to even imagine what would inspire that. <laughs> I think he just thought it was funny. Yeah. And obviously, humor changes a lot. Things well, that's that people true. found funny I will say, decades ago aren't funny now, but. Uh, years spanning The Stern Show, I almost never enjoy the, like, written bits. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> you you'd know? be surprised sometimes at what is written and what isn't and what is planned out and what isn't yeah but, well okay but yeah i know what you mean like when they do like i i never there's different things for different people though i think they, they serve different interests like i never really thought the 
phony phone calls yeah. are that great. No. Like, that's not, I don't know. I don't like that stuff that much. But other people love it. So it's just. Yeah. And then, I like okay, so that woman, Irene, the dominatrix that does the weather. Irene, the weather girl. Irene, are you there? It's cold, real cold. But your ass is going to be plenty hot when I give you a good hard butt whipping. Tongue. What do you think about that? Turns you on, doesn't it, you little maggot? Yeah. Irene, thank you for the weather forecast. Shut up. We hope to hear from you tomorrow. Give us some more weather. Bite me, you loser. That actually is the real person in the movie that actually called his radio show in Detroit and did it. They got the oh, real wow. woman. Yeah. Okay, well, Which that's kind of fun. So I th- she's kind of considered like the first whack packer in a way. Oh, gotcha. Like the first regular... Yeah weirdo caller right. that he had. I, I don't know if we should point out to our listeners like what a whack packer is. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just basically like the weird characters that collected yeah. around the show. But, you know, never anyone of like legitimacy. They're kind of just like people that would call in or make appearances, but they weren't. <laughs> There's kind of like a less than association with being well, a, a whack Well, a couple of them appear in this movie. Crackhead Bob, who's like one of the first big ones, and Nicole Bass, right. uh, who also had a brief stint in WWF. Both dead. Yeah, both have passed away fairly recently. I think Crackhead Bob was only like a year or two ago, and Nicole Bass was like, what, like three or four years maybe. Yeah. But yeah, they they both appear at the same in the same little interlude with Bubba Bowie. Yeah. But anyway, Irene, Dominatrix, I just thought, point that out. That part is, <laughs> I don't know, it's just kind of funny to me. Like the, Her weather thing was just like, it's cold, but your ass is going to be hot or whatever. Like the, <laughs> like with that accent, like yeah. that Midwest accent. That is funny. <laughs> and this is also where he gets like, you know, he starts kind of like pushing up against management because they want him to do the the time and the weather like every few minutes. And one oh, of yeah. my favorite parts of this whole movie, and I think one of the funniest parts, is when he's doing that bit where he's acting like he was sitting with his dying grandmother the night before. <laughs> and he's in the middle of this dramatic story. And then he goes, by the way, it's... 645 and 58 degrees <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is funny the, the passive aggressive bits towards management are consistently funny so allison eventually relents i mean he's like calling her and calling her she's like hanging up on him but she eventually shows up in detroit and forgives him and right about that time is when management decides that they're going to do a, a format change on the on www and switch to country music this is kind of something that's just like a recurring joke in radio a little bit like the hop along howie yeah like well the idea of a station completely flipping and going to a country music station or something shitty yeah yeah like the whole movie airheads right it's like the plot of the movie (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean it happens though it's happened to stations that i have listened to in my life well certainly like not kiss kiss hasn't always been kiss okay wow so there's that. Yeah. I mean, it's once hard you, li- to imagine. you live long enough, yeah. <laughs> your hero radio stations become the villains. <laughs> if everything's not playing Delilah at night, I don't even want to live in that world. Yeah, I assume that Delilah's still on. I haven't heard her in a while. Yeah, it's true. Well, she's a busy woman. Country music, not the best fit for Howard. So he quits once again and kind of luckily scores a job in Washington, D.C., one of the bigger markets at WWDC. Howdy, cowpokes. Uh, I know I shouldn't be interrupting in the middle of a song, but I, I got to tell you something. I know a lot of you out there really love this music, but I just don't get it. 
explain it to me. And maybe it's because I went to college and I, and I never drove a truck and had sex with my daddy's sister, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I don't think I'm the man for this job. So this is your old pal Hopalong Howie saying I quit. I, I think I quit. such a loser. It's not your fault. It was a lame station. Yeah, it was my fault. You can't blame a radio station. It's my screw-up. In what way? In the way that I got to figure out what I'm going to be. I mean, I don't want to be one of these disc jockeys that runs around the country, you know, looking for work all the time. I don't want to end up like that. It's so sad. It's so apparent to me now what I should be doing. I should be talking about my personal life. I've got to get intimate. And every time I feel like I shouldn't say something, maybe I should just say it, just blurt it out, you know? I just got to let things fly. I got to go all the way. You didn't go all the way before? No, I mean, no. A lot of times, I'm just holding back. And I guess you should go all the way. This is kind of where the, the movie... Alice and Janney station? Right, Alice yeah. and Janney is one of his bosses, uh, DD. But this is, like, kind of the step up to the big leagues because even though Detroit's a big market, that station that he was on didn't seem Allison Janney legit. just someone who's in like every movie. I feel like she is in so many movies. Yeah. Okay. Well that's because she's good. Yeah. She probably crushes it on in auditions. DC though most notable because this is where Howard links up with Robin uh, news as girl. a news anchor. Yep. Yeah. And the way that I don't know how it actually happened in real life. I mean, I'm sure that they've played the tapes of this before at some point. I don't know if I, I assume Howard owns the DC stuff, but maybe he doesn't. I, I don't remember ever really hearing it, but it's kind of just an organic moment where he kind of just starts talking to her and she rolls with it and talks back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And she could have probably acted like some of the other people act in this movie when he tries to rope them Get into shut it. shut down or like just be like, what are you doing? But she kind of goes with it, and they have like this immediate chemistry. Of course, like upper management instantly is trying to fight against it. Right. <laughs> uh, the the people that like are the suits in this movie, whether it's at in D.C. or Detroit or eventually New York City, it's like they're just against basically everything. Yeah, that I know. You can think I, of. I mean, it is played in a <laughs> in a way that it's like, why would they be? Obviously, I think once you get to NBC, you can kind of understand like where the management perspective would be coming from, even though it's like in the movie, Howard is very much like the hero. I mean, it is crazy. Well, yeah, they're like, I I think a lot of it is people are in radio. There's a lot of turnover and a lot of turmoil and people constantly get fired. And so there's probably a big concern about anything new and different. And talking to your newswoman as if she's a character on the show is something new and different and people were kind of like afraid of it that's They're right like well no no no, this isn't what you do well yeah because that's a big part of it is like robin will start reading the news she'll get three words in and that like spins into some conversation you know like she never like even gets through like what the story was supposed to be 
Orioles are the Red Sox 3-2 last night, extending the O's winning streak to 7. And finally, today is Memorial Day. Sunny skies and warm temperatures for veterans marching in parades across the metropolitan area. Highs today in the 70s. It's 58 degrees. You know, Robin, uh, let me interrupt for a second. I'm glad you brought up Memorial Day. You know, I was in Vietnam. I'd like to talk to you about it. I had 11 kills in Vietnam. And I'm telling you, I really should have had more. Officially, I should have had more kills. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I was in a goop village, and I come upon a schoolhouse. So I grab one of my grenades off my belt, and I throw it right into the schoolhouse. And I blow up the whole damn thing. So I'm out there counting all the bodies. You threw a grenade into a school? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I must have killed like 200 kids. My dickhead lieutenant comes up to me, and he says, Stern, those are little kids. That counts as one person. Howard, I was in the military. I was a captain in the Air Force. What were you? What was I? Yeah, what were you? What were you again? I was a captain. That's what I was. I was a captain. And what were you in? I was in Vietnam. Ugh. Army, Navy? In the Army. Did you have a division? 103rd. 103rd what? I was in the 103rd. I don't know what I was in, Robin, but I'm saying that I was in the 103rd. And the point of this whole thing is that I think a kill is a kill is a kill. And killing a kid should be just as good as killing an adult. Well, I suppose even if you're killing children, they should count them. I got some music for you now, DC 101. <laughs> <laughs> you're not even old enough to have been in Vietnam. Duh. <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of how it was pretty much for the duration of the show. Yeah. I mean, that's up until modern day, really. Right. And their relationship here in D.C. would kind of form the basis for what would become the show that would become world famous over time. This is where we get the woman having the orgasm on air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by like Another this... just ridiculous <laughs> rack. Yeah, a lot of uh, fake breasts in this movie. This whole sequence is insane. I mean, it, it <laughs> she gets on top of a speaker. Right. And he vibrates it with his lips or whatever, and she has an orgasm. And to then, the point that she's ripping her own shirt off. I mean, it just <laughs> seems like at home during the day. Well, I think <laughs> that would, you know, obviously, I don't think anybody knew what the woman was doing in real life. So they okay, had to, so a little bit embellished, you think? Maybe? Yeah, they probably yeah. made her a lot more attractive than she really was. <laughs> right. Who knows? And then the lesbian dating game. Uh, okay, just chock full of nudity here. <laughs> and Howard's just really pushing all of the boundaries, and they're losing sponsors at first, and so he's butting heads with management. But the ratings continue to increase, and he's becoming like a bigger, bigger sensation in the D.C. area. And during the lesbian dating game, that's when Allison calls in and says on air that she's pregnant, which results in a miscarriage, which Howard then makes light of on the air. Yeah, that's that does come off a little bit like, whoa. <laughs> like, jeez. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that there's this idea of, like, what are the boundaries, how it's trying to figure it out. And it does feel like this house of cards, though, that he's building with Allison, because it, it does just seem like he's going to keep pushing the boundaries or keep crossing the line. Yeah. So it's like, even though within the content of the movie, it all works out well for him and Allison, but it does sort of feel like, how can you, <laughs> how can this last forever? Yeah, especially, I think, since... You know, when she came back and they reconciled in Detroit, the idea was the, they're like that she had to be the only woman. Here. Yeah, right. Like, and so he thinks, like, as long as I don't cheat outside the marriage, I can get away with whatever I want. And she seems pretty forgiving about his persona and him 
having naked women on and him talking about other women's bodies and saying how attracted he is to all these women and because that's the character on the radio but as far as their personal life between them this is like a huge fight about the miscarriage but eventually he's able to bring fred back because of his success in dc so right, right. he get he's getting his team together the ratings are going through the roof even management is kind of like shrugging their shoulders because yeah they lost some other sponsors but they're getting all these new ones yeah yeah because the thing seem i mean to be when working your out. ratings are going up it's just like you're just going to keep selling ads yeah and i mean these this is early days as far as the fcc and i think i will say one of the fun things about it though is especially like being in like pre the internet being the way it is now it's just like the idea of having no idea. He's doing a show and they have ratings and they had like this whole way of like rating it. But like people like connecting. You have no idea like how many people are really like listening over a certain period of time. Yeah. Like something's becoming like this massive success, but it's not really clear for a while. Yeah. And it kind of just becomes this organic thing, like people talking to him on the street and recognizing him in public. And he's kind of becoming a sensation in the D.C. area, which gets the attention of WNBC in New York. So right around the time that Allison gets pregnant again, Howard gets his dream offer from WNBC in New York City. and 150000 a year, I think, is the salary that they say. Yeah, with the promise of potentially uh, syndicating his show nationwide yeah. and all this other stuff, which for a DJ is a lot of money, I would imagine. Right. I, uh, yeah. Especially, you know, At when, that when you're not... Time, yeah, too? when you're not Howard Stern, when you're just a DJ... <laughs> You're not yeah. like you're just a guy. It's probably like a pretty big leap from whatever he was pulling in DC. Yeah. And it's kind of like when you get hired into WWE. Right. You kind of get a big part of it is the potential. Oh, it's yeah. like once you get to WWE, like there's so much potential to do more. Radio even. in New York City. Because if you, if you can get market. like a syndicated deal, you're talking like potentially millions. Yeah. Like I'm sure Imus at the time was making like a shit ton of money, even though it's like. I never listened to Imus. I don't really yeah. know much about him other than when he did the nappy-headed right. hose thing. <laughs> well, yeah. And I just what know him from being a guy that Howard goofed on for years, so he always seemed like a loser. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Howard buried weird. Imus so hard that there was no coming back in my mind. It is weird. Like In radio, it's just like so many people make shit in radio, but like the people that make the most money make so much fucking money. Yeah. It's, like, so insane to just make that much money to just, like, go talk. Yeah, although there's not that many of them That's now. true. There's uh, yeah, barely any. Yeah, it's certainly any. gone way down, yeah. But, unfortunately, upper management hired Howard based solely on ratings, and they had no idea what they were actually getting themselves into. They'd never listened to his show. They had no idea that he was basically a shock jock. Yeah. That he was inventing something that hadn't really been done at that level. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there were plenty of DJs that kind of pushed the envelope that also talked about their personal lives that kind of did all these different things. But Howard was bringing it to this rock and roll level, very modern, very hip, very sexual, pushing every boundary Although it is of like, good taste. And they had no idea what they were in I'll for. tell you like what's not sexual and hip, fucking Howard's wardrobe choices. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> consistently the worst-dressed person in America, <laughs> and that, by the way, would continue. I, when I watch these YouTube videos, I'm just like, <laughs> "What is going on?" He has like a stylist. Yeah, he's never he's never quite figured out how to look. Yeah, <laughs> it's, there are times where he doesn't look like that bad. But right. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, especially like in those days, like the stuff he was doing with his hair and like the clothes he was wearing were kind of wild. Yeah. 
But I mean, he I think he was trying to go for that like I'm in Twisted Sister. Oh, for sure. There's like, definitely I'm like in, a hair metal look yeah. to him at times. Yeah. Like I'm in rock and roll, like that kind of thing. It yeah, it doesn't age well, and it honestly probably never looks great to begin with. So when the big wigs, so now at we NBC, have our yeah, we finally get to our big antagonist of the movie. Well, yeah, when the big wigs find out what they've hired, they fire a bunch of people that were bringing Howard in. So now they're going to put this program director. The name they use in the movie is Kenny Pig Vomit Rushton, played by Paul Giamatti. That's not the guy's real name. It's like Kevin, I forget. And they called him Pig Virus, not Pig Vomit. Oh, but okay. I don't know why they changed this stuff. I, who knows? Maybe they were afraid of something. So they changed some of the names a little bit. Paul Giamatti playing this part, pretty much the first thing I ever really knew Paul Giamatti from. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have known who he was when I saw this movie. <laughs> yeah, not going into it. Right. Shockingly, as like a 14-year-old, I didn't know who Paul Giamatti <laughs> yeah. was in 1997. His whole goal here is to keep Howard in line or to force him to quit because management is not down for paying Howard's big buyout clause. They have to give him like $500,000 or something like that, which giving a DJ in the early, early 80s, I think, would be insane. Especially a guy that they just gave a significant raise. Like, they just, like, called him up, and it's like... Yeah, there'd be egg all over their face. Like, they're bringing in this new guy, and then if they fired him before they ever even let him on the air. Yeah. Because they were already getting attention for bringing him in, and then once you're in that position, it's like, well, you're going to have to double down. Or else you look real fucking stupid. Yeah. So they're not willing to look stupid, so they're just going to let him go on the air (laughs) under this plan. So Howard, Robin, Fred, they ignore Kenny's restrictions. This ends up getting Robin fired when they play this, like, um, what? I can't even, I forget what game they're playing, but Jackie Martling makes his first appearance in the movie. Is this the one where they're trying, they're saying like pussy and cock? Like they're, yeah. they're finding the ways that you can say it so that it's not yeah. censored, basically. Yeah. So they keep saying like cock a doodle and pussy willow. Yeah. But like Jackie's saying, like, I wrote mine sloppy, so I have a sloppy pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just real childish yeah, bullshit. Seriously. To just give a finger to Kenny. So Kenny fires Robin kind of this divide and conquer method that they attempt here you goddamn motherfuckers you fucking waltz in here and you think you know everything don't you well i fucking work my fucking ass off to get to new york city and you sure as fuck are not gonna fucking blow it for me we're just doing characters barry jerry clarify the situation for him please Page 108, paragraph 3, no jokes dealing with flatulence, excretion, urination, ejaculation, or other bodily functions. Also no paragraph 2, no use of the so-called seven dirty words. These are cocksucker, motherfucker, fuck shit, cunt, cock, and pussy. Now, from now on, all your little bits are going to be under two minutes in duration. And all scripts, and I do mean all scripts, require my personal approval. Welcome to NBC, Howard. It's time for the match game. And thank you, Mr. Announcer. Hi, everybody. My name is Gene Sternburn, and welcome to Match Game. We have a lot of excitement in the air today because we have some great panelists. Let me introduce you to everybody. First of all, I want to introduce all of you to a very, very charming and beautiful lady, the very beautiful Miss Brett Summers. How are you, baby? Hi. Hi, Gene. Yeah, hygiene, that's something I don't think you have, to be honest with you. Back off. 
Okay, and let's now go over to somebody who I really admire, the ex-president of the United you. States, Mr. Richard Nixon. Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm very, very honored right now to introduce to all of you a very special man. He's come all the way to our show for the first time, Mr. Jackie, the joke man, Martley. Well, thank you, Gene. That's very nice. All right, let's play our game now, okay, shall we? And what we're going to do is ask you to fill in the blank, okay? Now, I want you to listen carefully. Our first clue up is blank willow. Blank yeah. willow. Let's go over to Miss Brett Summers right now. Now, Brett, what did you have for us? Blank willow. The only thing on my mind, Gene, was pussy. Uh-oh. <laughs> pussy. Pussy. All right. Hey, that's kind of wild. Pussy willow. That's what I would have said. All right, let's go over to Dick Nixon, former president of the United States. What did you have? Blank willow. In any language, pussy. All right. <laughs> All right, let's go to our newest member of the panel, Mr. Jackie Jokeman Martling Blank Willow. Well, Gene, I didn't write it too neat, so I have a sloppy pussy. Sloppy a pussy! Sloppy pussy. You got a sloppy and a fuzzy pussy and a very big pussy. Are we talking about bread again? <laughs> All right, now let's keep going. Now it's going to get a little rougher. Okay, everybody ready? Blank a doodle do. Blank a doodle do. Blank a doodle do. You think about that while the celebrities are writing? Here we go. Let's go over to our. Dick Nixon, our own ex-president. What do you got there, Dick? Well, it takes a dick to know a cock, and that's what I wrote. Cock-a-doodle. <laughs> now, that's what I would have said. That seemed like the obvious answer. Okay, let's go to our own Jackie the Joke Man, Martin. Jackie the Joke Man? Gene, I have cock, and I wrote it big. I have a big cock. Uh, I don't think you can say big cock on the radio. I think that's a no-no. What? But I just said pussy. Yeah, she just said pussy. Yes, pussy is okay. It's the way he says it. Big cock coming out of your mouth sounds awfully <laughs> dirty. So I can't say big cock. But you can say big cock coming out of my mouth? That's correct. That sucks. Can you just say big cock coming out of your mouth and sucks? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. It's hey, nonsense. Oh. We've got to go over to Miss Brett Summers. Just like the boys, Gene, I've got cock. There it is, cock. Can you do me a favor? Do me a favor and hold that up so I can see your cock. I can't. Yeah. Oh, Gene, okay, don't have all, one right. all right, there it is. Cock, cock, cock. I must tell you, though, we have to end this fun right now. I want to thank all of you. Give yourself a big round. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's uh, have a little music, Phil. You did not have permission to do that bit. I never approved that script, God damn it, Howard! Wait a second, calm down, okay, Kenny? Calm down, there's a perfectly good explanation. I'm all ears, Howard, let's hear it. Uh, I gave the script to Fred. And I gave it to uh, Robin over there. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm sorry, Kenny. I forgot to put it in your box. There you go. Perfectly good explanation. It'll never happen again, Kenny. You're goddamn right. She's never going to do it again. You're fired. What? Gather your things together, Robin. Let's go. Oh, oh wait, no. wait a second, Kenny. What are you talking about? She had nothing to do with the bit. She had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was all me. Pack up your shit. I'm not kidding. Let's go. Kenny, you can't blame someone over one lousy bit. You can't go firing them. Oh, yes, I can, Howard. Robin, get the fuck out! And she feels betrayed, and the show suffers. Because she wants Howard and Fred to, like, walk to off. To walk, and, yeah. yeah. This never actually happened in real life. This is not how this all played out. Okay. But they kind of dramatized this a little bit, I think, to add a little little bit of a story here. I think, I, I forget it's exactly what happened. Like, they, Robin got, like, a paid vacation while Howard had to do something, but that was the only time they were separated. And then when he came back, she came back. There was never a show without her. Gotcha. I don't know. Which, I mean, it is, like, a big point in the movie. Yeah. Otherwise, you would just have him and pig vomit yelling at each other which is great but there's not really like an arc to that it's kind of just like over and over them butting heads but they bring in a replacement 
And this is fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of like this straight-laced older white guy who they kind of mess with a little bit. And this then, is kind of like the old-school radio guy. Yeah. Just like straight news anchor, just reports like no character, no personality. Right, and Fred and Howard try to mess with him a little bit and bring him into things, and then <laughs> he eventually quits when they bring in the kielbasa queen. Who, oh, yeah. <laughs> who deep throats a huge kielbasa. Right. <laughs> and he is so offended that he quits. So Robin's brought back. We see Leslie Bibb here as like an NBC page. Yeah, and you can kind of see where this is, where it's all headed for her. She looks pretty cute. Yeah. She was recently in The Babysitter on Netflix as the hot mom. So there you enjoyed. go. Yeah. Leslie Bibb, another uh, dynamite career. So after this, we have the first naked woman in the studio. Played her, her her character name is Mandy. Played by the world famous Jenna Jameson. Now, of all the ways that Jenna Howard... Jameson still one of the top porn star searches, despite being out of porn for like tw- over twenty years. Wait, or whatever. Yeah, right. So and Robin is back. Yeah, Robin is brought back. Right. So <laughs> I love, which I guess Howard's whole pitch in like the the movie is, you know, she kind of keeps me at bay a little bit. Yeah. Which, because yeah, I mean, they, he's starting to go. He's off basically the rails saying so that like much. Robin won't, won't, would not have let him do the thing with the kielbasa queen and all this stuff. Yeah, and they have to have Robin back and blah blah blah. So Robin comes back, but then we secretly pig vo- pig vomit sets up this phone into the engineer's office where like if he calls on that number, the guy's supposed to just cut to a record without any warning, basically to dump out of the show. This is like the first experience that Howard was having with the dump out thing something that he would basically fight with up until he left terrestrial radio in 2005 like the delay and all that stuff and he has Mandy aka I don't know why she couldn't just be Jenna Jameson I guess because when it's set Jenna Jameson probably wasn't born but this nude woman in the studio she's like giving him a massage they cut to Allison listening (laughs) with other women the way that he's acting in this scene is like next level from anything else he's done in the rest of the movie (laughs) yeah although he did act like this a lot on the radio (laughs) yeah that and this is what like it would give me flashes of those years of watching the show on E because it was just like constantly hot chicks in the studio like taking their clothes off and him just being like I gotta tell you something you are gorgeous you are just beautiful the <laughs> so yeah over the top and I I do that actually is great yet so uncomfortable the cutting back of. So like his wife listening to it with those other women right. and she's like the one is like a realtor and she's like most of my sales are with divorced people or whatever it's <laughs> yeah. like this whole thing jenna jameson just so young and cute in this movie you can see why she was, became such a big star yeah i mean she, you know she's an older woman now but this was like in her just peak with her cartoonishly huge I boobs <laughs> with just a tiny frame of yeah a, it's I just know. very it strange nuts, right but that, yeah, it's definitely like that look. That that's it's just the the late nineties look, you know. Yeah, that's what we wanted women to look like for right. whatever reason. I don't know <laughs> yeah, why. I don't know. It was very strange to me because I mean, she is a gorgeous girl, and she's so small that with her chest made to be that big just looks odd. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. really seem attractive Which at all. Is, I know, and it is funny, like, just within the scene of him being like, you know, and she's going to give me a massage, and Robin's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? And he's just like, I don't know, but I need to get touched. <laughs> so Kenny cuts off the broadcast when this is happening, and then they get into that physical altercation, and they're, like, fighting. Oh, yeah. This is pretty nuts. I mean, is this 
Did something like this I, happen? I don't know. I think so. Sorry, he's in a meeting. Oh, he's in a meeting? I'd like to know what meeting is more important than my show. He took the show right off the air. Why'd you take the show off the air for, Pig Vomit? Huh? Pig Vomit, open up. It's funny, Howard. Oh, it's not funny? What are you talking about? It Take is off. funny. I think it's very funny. And how would you know it's funny anyway? You're not bringing that hey, uh, I don't see anybody in here to meet you. Gotta do you? you gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, why do I have to go? Why don't you explain to my audience why you had to shut down the show? You I don't make this right now. Yes, you do, you big idiot scumbag. I'm your boss. I'm your boss. I'm your boss. Let's go. what's this? No. Robin, is everybody sorry? God damn it, get out of here. He hit me, Robin. He's hit me. Get out. I'm gonna hit you back. I hit him back. He hit him. You're not getting the phone from me, Kenny. No. Oh, God. Oh, my God, Rob. Kenny just hit himself in the face. He's bleeding. Hey, come on. Oh, oh, my God. Vin just got hit by Kenny. Kenny just hit me. Vin, I didn't do anything. Blood, Stark. Are you okay? Yeah, I think. Another executive is getting hit in this, too. <laughs> the guy that played Poppy on That's Seinfeld right. yeah. is in the mix here. Yeah, it, this is like the only other thing I've ever seen that guy in. This seems like there would be like an arrest or something if this happened. <laughs> Yeah, before this, though, is when he talked to Kenny's wife on the phone. Oh, that's right, yeah. That was when Robin was out. Yeah. That was actually the last straw to get Robin back. Right. was him talking to Kenny's wife on the phone. I forgot about that. And that's when Kenny's like, you're the motherfucking Antichrist. Well, yeah, I mean, he's like, he's got Kenny's wife on the phone and he's saying things like, you know. You need to give him more sex. Yeah, he's like really backed up. And she's like, yeah, I think maybe you're right. (laughs) Which, I mean, that sequence seems insane, too. I don't know if there was some real story behind that. but I don't know. Who knows? I mean. They were having fun with it. Right. And then after the huge blowout with Kenny, that's when Allison is kind of like super pregnant and she's kind of having self-doubts about her appearance on the heels of this moment with Mandy in the studio. And he's assuring her that she looks great. By the way, from the viewer's perspective, I feel like we're very much in the meat of the movie at this moment. But no. Right. <laughs> he assures her that he still loves her and that she's beautiful, which she is. She as a I mean, I don't think she was actually pregnant, but lo- looking pregnant as a Mary fake McCormick pregnant looks unbelievable. Woman, yeah, she was glowing. <laughs> and that's when Kenny shows up to give Howard the news that he's number one at WNBC. This and is now nineteen eighty five. A little bit of a change of tune here. And he's even higher than Imus. And so Kenny tries to be his friend now, and Howard's just like, fuck you and shuts the door in his face shutting them down and then we just get this weird celebration scene with acdc I mean, yeah i mean of all the things that seem masturbatory about this movie this scene- well this is like i was reading this is more of a play on things he would do in different markets like he would go around and do funerals for like the previous number one oh, network wow. and okay. then he was like the celebration of him being number one they never had a number like a they never had this exact moment though okay yeah like this concert in 1985 celebrating number one i was gonna say uh, i mean it seems pretty nuts that like they're at a show acdc's playing everyone is like going nuts for howard and then like also allison goes into labor yeah well they it's kind of like how that part in argo when they're like just barely getting that plane away before people you know what i mean like you gotta spice it up up for the movie and the flashback the story of howard's life kind of ends here in 1985 with the birth of his first daughter and we cut back to the flight and we find out that he's been telling this whole story to gloria the woman on the plane that was not into him at all that's what i mean when when i say that she's kind of like a a bimbo in this moment i mean she is she's like eating it up playing with her hair and like i don't know if she's supposed to be a bimbo i I don't (laughs) you think that's too harsh yeah yeah okay 
you don't really understand people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just That's supposed to true. be like the, the idea is that she was disgusted before and yeah, she's like everyone fun now. She's found out the truth and that he's a family man. And okay, so now we've reached basically the end and uh Allison and the and the his two daughters, I think at the time, maybe well, I mean, the third was on the way, I'm not sure, but talking to the audience at this point and he's basically saying like you know i could bang this chick but i'm not going to yeah yeah so i mean <laughs> i think he even says like i think i love my wife no yeah. i love my wife. Right. which is funny because like playing like, with it a little bit yeah like, didn't they do the like, whole thing wasn't that like a chris rock movie like i think i love my wife or something oh like i'm that. not sure that's kind of been the thing like throughout the movie and he's still kind of like playing it up at the end here yeah i mean this movie the movie is essentially about his marriage his love for his wife the strength of his marriage, the fact the that she was there Allison. from the beginning, like, and stuck with him through all the shit. You so know. they're still happily married today, then, right? Yeah, that's what you would think, right? <laughs> I mean, it is a weird thing to go back to, as we were saying, talking about it before the show. Like, the whole thing is basically kind of like a love letter to Allison. Yeah, and it's just like, in a movie about being happily married, and then w- two years later they announce that they're getting divorced, and then eventually finalized that divorce i think in 2001 and howard ended up getting married to beth o and yeah they're still together fox chapel right yeah local, local girl yeah <laughs> but um good water up there i think there's a lot of rumors about the making of this movie i think howard himself has even said that like during the making of the movie his marriage was falling apart yeah ivan reitman was like you gotta just stay together you gotta keep it together <laughs> to get this movie out yeah seriously so, you know, I think, you know, people go through rough times. I don't know what the story is. I think their divorce overall turned out to be pretty amicable. I think Allison has remarried. Mm-hmm. I think he still interacts with well, yeah, they Allison kids, because they right? have three yeah. daughters. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much longer he's going to stay in the game of satellite radio. I think he's only down to, like, three days a week. Well, that's and- the th- I mean, if and when he goes away, what does that do to satellite radio? I don't know. Do you think I, there was a time a, period where I think Sirius would have collapsed if he left, and I, I, but I think that that moment has passed. Yeah, I think that Sirius is they're fine. They have enough like popular shows. That, yeah, I mean, I guess they've done a good job of kind of like they hook people in with the new cars. Right, that's that the thing. Now free, that, yes, and then I think people get used to. I, I know both my parents have gone through that over the yeah. past like couple of years, where they get the free six months and you know they enjoy having satellite radio. Yeah, you get hooked, and so I think. Yeah, I think they're in a much better got, place now. You know, now. there's the Springsteen channel. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of channels. Yeah, I think Howard has been a big part of my life. I mean, some of the stuff he's done under today's microscope doesn't seem great, but I'm not... Oh. I think we've covered... Times change. I yeah, mean, I think on. we've covered in plenty of episodes our feelings about how you can't retroactively go back and criticize things. It's Condemn just things someone. were different. Yeah, now. I mean, Obviously, you know. if yeah, if someone's like breaking the law or something or doing something wrong, that's different. But if it's, just, it's like you are crossing lines, I mean, the lines have changed. In reality, we need more people like that out there today, pushing boundaries, forcing things to be getting fired. Different. Yeah, you know, fighting more for free speech. I think free speech has kind of deteriorated a Taking little. Taking a bit. back seat. And it's not just one side or well, the other politically. It sucks it, when, it's, like, it's just a whole thing. Yeah. I, I, the one thing politically is just like, I historically would associate like liberal minded people to be more of the people championing free speech. And I feel like there's yeah, been a not shift, really. shift away from that. No. 
No, they don't want both sides have things that they don't want you to say. I mean, that's just how it is. Yeah. Everybody wants you to agree with them and be of one thing, and that's just not how it works, but whatever. Yeah. So we're not um, gonna solve it right. here on this uh, podcast. Certainly not. <laughs> if anything, we might just get shut down for it. But the one thing I would say, I mean, beyond just like podcasts, like I've always been kind of like a bit of a, a radio nerd and it's just like how can you not be immersed in like the stern world a little bit? through all that because it's just like you know podcasts are so popular now but i i do always love the old kind of just radio format yeah i agree i I have gone through different phases in my life listening to howard a lot i don't think i'm ever gonna have another one because it's certainly just, not of like new content but no, i know it just that, doesn't really seem yeah. like it's for me anymore i'll but. still have my days where i'm gonna like revisit the arty flipping out on his assistant <laughs> like <laughs> well i would love to see Artie and Howard patch, patch it, up. it up one more if, time. If that could happen, yeah. just because, you know, Artie's always in our thoughts and prayers. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, a, hopefully you he never can keep know it together. It's, be, yeah. it's been a rough road. Yep. But anyway, thanks for listening. As always, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Yeah, Zach was, uh, you know, previewing. There's some, some things to come down the line here. Oh, yeah. There's always more to come. I mean, we're talking about episodes like two years out. <laughs> two years out. At this point of what we might be doing. So Yeah, there's always long-term <laughs> plans in my mind. There's the short con and the long con. All right, so this has been The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever, and we will see you next time.
Since we're fighting, if you ever have an affair with that guy, I will come to the hotel room and blow my brains out all over your naked bodies.